little touch pass there. Benson waiting, cuts in, he scores! Oh my! Into the middle, holding, back, Toporowski shooting, shot block, got it back, shot, score! Center of pass forward, of stop, shot, back to play, score! In front, Groove scores! Jaden Groove scores the triple overtime winner. Before we get started with the replay of our Kyle Beach episode from 2016, Pucklandia, I just want to say a couple of things. I mean, First off, regular listeners to the show know that I don't do monologues ever. This show's not about me. It's never been about me. But this is a special case. When we recorded this episode, it was mostly just about Kyle Beach as a player on the ice. You know, as a first-round pick, never play, never made it to play in an NHL game. And so, in a lot of ways, he was like, you know, many hockey players that were talented and in that position and never got a chance to, you know, realize his dreams. But at the time we didn't know his, the backstory. We didn't, you know, only Kyle, his family and Chicago Blackhawks and, you know, video coach will not be named here. You know, only they knew that backstory. You know, the rest of us saw a guy that had success in the minors, had success in Europe, but again, you know, never really, never reached the NHL. And, you know, we didn't know why and we'll never know why, but, you know, now we know at least a little bit about some of the the, uh, demons that, you know, Kyle Beach was was facing as a player, as as an individual. And, you know, when we taped this show, I mean, people weren't exactly beating down his door for interviews to see what he thought about life or the way his career ended up. But, you know, I gave a shit about Kyle Beach when a lot of people had forgot about him. You know, I mean, as a player, as a person, as a kid, as a guy that made an impact in the Western League and made an impact on me as a as a fan at the time and. I wanted to see what made him tick. I wanted to see what his story was as far as how he got to, to where he was. Again, at at this point in 2016 when he was playing in Europe, which is when we taped this interview, and you know, now we know a lot a lot more about him and, and, and what he's went through. But and I had lost this file I thought forever and then uh found it again. So, you know, with uh, no further ado, here is the Encore edition of Kyle Beach on Pucklandia, recorded in the summer of 2016. My name's Kyle Beach. I'm from Kelowna, BC. I play left wing for the Everett Silvertips. And uh, my favorite NHL player has to be Jerome McGinley. We have met him a couple times in the summer. He's a couple houses in Kelowna. And, you know, he's been a great mentor to me in the last couple of years. I'd consider myself a power forward. Uh, I like to get in the corners and get dirty and, you know, I'll go to the places that most people won't go to get the extra goal or, you know, just to win a battle there. Pleased to be joined on Pucklandia by former Silver Tip, former Lethbridge Hurricane, and uh, also a uh, Spokane Chief, uh, Kyle Beach. Glad to have you on the show, Kyle. Yeah, hey there, how's it going? Oh, doing, pretty, doing pretty good. Uh, so you're you're a guy I kind of always wanted to have on the show since, since, uh, since we've been doing it, that you know, you're a pretty colorful character, and, you know, I, I always say that, and I probably say every episode of the show, that, you know, hockey is a game of uh, heroes and villains, you know, and, and, and you're one of those guys that if mm-hmm. if, if, if you're sure. on my team, then, then, then you're definitely one of them, and, you know, on everybody else's team, it's kind of the opposite, you know, it's kind of, you know, so I'm really happy to, to have you, I guess, is kind of the main thing, but... Um, 
what, you probably let's let's start out with when you were little. I mean, what you probably played, you know, in all the uh, the elite teams and all the elite programs coming up as as a kid. At, at what point did you think that you really had a chance to to make hockey into something? You know, I think the I think when the, the first time you really realize that you know, okay, I'm like this might be something I could do for a living and a career. It's kind of that point when you start getting calls from WHL scouts and um, obviously the, the WHL draft and uh, you know things like that. And, um, and then obviously as you step into the WHL, the 16 and, and the 17, um, it's kind of when you really start to see where you're going to fit in and. You know, fortunately for me, you know, I had a great situation in Everett uh, playing under Kevin Constantine with, you know, a couple of great players like Mueller and Hamill uh, a, a couple of years ahead of me to kind of bring me in and, and teach me the way and, uh, uh, you know, obviously great hockey players to play with as well. And, uh, you know, I think that really benefited me and pushed me. And that was kind of the first time that I realized, you know, this this might be a career. So you, you went first round in the Bantam draft for Everett. I mean, that was... Was was that kind of what, what? What was that like? I mean, what was your expectations of how the Bantam draft was going to go down? Well, the, you know, the WHL draft is a little bit different. Um, you, know, you know, being from BC, um, you know, my year, I think uh, I think Regina had the first overall pick. Swift Current was second, uh, and then Prince George was third or fourth. And you know, so <laughs> for being from BC, those places are a long ways away, and uh, so you know we, we we never specifically went to a team where like hey no because in in the WHL draft a lot of agents and parents will try and control where their kids end up and uh, we just kind of let the process take care of itself and uh, you know obviously you want to go as high as you can because you know as a kid you know that's something you dreamed of and uh, something you, you you'll never forget and um, my parents actually. I stayed home from school, and, uh, you know, my parents didn't actually wake me up until uh, about the eighth pick, and I rolled over, and I looked at them, and I said, where'd I go? And they went, well, you haven't gone yet. And I was like, oh, and, uh, you know, immediately it's kind of like, uh, you know, you're you're de- kind of like, thinks in that, oh, like, I haven't gone. And uh, I ended up going a couple picks later to, to Everett, and uh, Everett was a team that I'd seen play a little bit, uh, you know, their inaugural year, they played, uh, the Kelowna Rockets in, in the WHL final and, uh, or in the Western Conference final. And, um, uh, you know, it was, it was a team that I didn't know a lot about other than that. And obviously being so new and, you know, so then it's, you know, you're kind of doing some quick research and, you know, your phone starts ringing, you know, from, from friends and family and coaches and, uh, and things like that, and it's kind of just a moment that, as, when you're in the moment, it's, you know, it's so exciting, and it's hard to really enjoy, but once you get a chance to sit down a couple of days later and think about it, it, it kind of sets in, and uh, then it's, unlike the OHL, you know, you got to wait that full year, And but I was lucky enough to get my four out of my five regular season games, and then play some playoffs at the end, and you're really just excited to get going and, you know, you get to experience your first training camp and kind of see what the lifestyle and the, and the league's like. And, you know, from that point on, it was just, you know, I just couldn't wait to get there and get playing. So you being a Kelowna kid, then you were, you were WHL all the way, right? I mean, that was kind of your your goal from early age was to, to play in that league, right? Well, it, it was, but I moved to Kelowna in, uh, in grade three. And before that, I lived in Nanaimo uh, on Vancouver Island. And so I grew up there watching uh, the Nanaimo Clippers, who are junior A and BCHL. And from there, the you know, all the guys go college. So at a really young age, uh, you know, college was kind of, and that route was kind of in my mind. And then once I moved to Kelowna and, you know, got started watching the Rockets and going to the games and, uh, I realized, you know, like I was one of the bigger kids and stuff. But the WHL really became like no question for me. Yeah, that makes sense. I just, you know, sometimes you're curious as to, you know, the, the the two, the difference between the two routes, and you know, I mean, which one would be better for for each guy as an individual. So, you know, sometimes it's kind of fun to look into that to see how much, you know, you thought about going the other way. Yeah, it is, and you know, it's a, it's a, I think that's a. 
a topic a lot of parents and a lot of players uh, struggle with. Um, you know, I've been talking to a, a couple families and a couple players uh, from around this area that, uh, you know, are kind of back and forth. And uh, one of them actually just went through the WHL draft and obviously they want him to sign right away. And he's kind of, they knew he was on the fence, so he fell a couple rounds. And, um, you know, it, it's a really interesting decision. And, it's really a different decision and a whole different thought process for, for every every player. And, you know, a lot goes into it. You know, how, how first of all, how's your schooling? Uh, how big are you? How mature are you? Uh, you know, because you know, as, as much as you're you're leaving home, if you go to the if WHL, you're leaving at 15, 16. Uh, if you're going to college, you, you buy yourself a couple more years. Uh, you know, I know a lot of guys like Justin Schultz who stayed in town and, uh, played on the West Side Warriors here and then got drafted to Anaheim, ended up signing as a free agent with Edmonton. And, you know, he was always one of the best players around around this area as well. So, you know, it's, it's a really interesting decision and, and one that every every parent and, you know, every player has to, to make looking at their own situation. And, you know, hopefully you can get some help from uh, from a good coach, which I was very fortunate to have around Kelowna and, Ken Andrusiak and Dave Dupont, and then playing on the Vancouver Selects with Brad Bowen, um, who's still, you know, they're very close friends to, the, to this day, and you know, they they gave me a lot of input, and then also your your agent or your advisor, and for me it was, uh, you know, that by the time I hit 13, 14, uh, I pretty much had my mind up. It was 100% WHL. School wasn't an option, uh, and with you know, there was a little tension in our in our household with that as well, with my, my mom being a teacher and things. But, um, you know, at that point, that was when we made our decision. Uh, the day that I got drafted uh, into the WHL was also the day that I officially signed with my agent or my advisor at the time, uh, which then obviously cancels out the college route. So uh, we, I had my mind made up pretty quick, but, you know, I've, I've witnessed it so many times where guys sit there on the fence going back back and forth and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't well you know i gotta i gotta have a, a feeling that you comfort your mom with the um the prospect of if if you didn't get signed and didn't go pro as far as the uh the scholarship right and you know and that's something that uh i think that's a great thing with the, the whr the entire chl is doing um you know, I think they could make a couple little changes to it. Uh, but, you know, at the same time, uh, that's, that's exactly true. And, you know, it's not the same as a, a full ride down in the States or anything like that. But at the same time, you know, I got a lot of friends that have gone through that route. And a couple of them have come back out and to, to play pro hockey. And the rest of them have good jobs and, you know, a degree under their belt to, to build their future on. And, you know, that's also very important. And, you know, it's nice that, you know, they got to chase their dream and then also set up their future. And uh, most of them also got to play at university as well. So, it's, you know, it's definitely something that's that's very, you know, it's, it's getting better every year. And, you know, I think there's a couple of things that they could tweak with it, but uh, it's definitely a positive and definitely eases the minds of, of moms and things like mine. And, you know, it kind of seems that the moms are normally the ones that are more worried. Yeah. Well, you were fortunate enough to to sign a pro deal, so you know that you didn't go that route either. But before you could sign a pro deal, you uh, you had to get drafted in NHL, which was also in the first round. What 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 what's that like getting drafted into the NHL? You know, that's, that's an experience that I'll never forget. And you know, unfortunately for me, um, at this point in my career, you know, I've never been able to make that jump and, and make that next step to the NHL, but being drafted in the first round, having your, your family there, your, your close friends, um, it, it's just, it's really a great day, but, you know, I, I'd be lying if I was sitting here, if I sat here and told you that it wasn't also stressful at the same time. You're sitting there and, you know, you're watching, you know, guys get picked and in the first round, obviously it's, it's a long first day when they do the first round. And, um, you know, I think I ended up sitting there about an hour, hour and a half, uh, until I got picked at 11 and, you know, you're sitting there and, you know, it's, well, this guy, you know, I was the guy in the draft that, 
you know, could have went top 10 or could have fallen to the bottom of the first round. And, you know, so you're sitting there and TSN's interviewing, and it comes and interviews you. And, you know, okay, so, you know, you're, we're at pick number eight or nine or 10. And, you know, you still have to go on. What, what, what are you thinking? And you're kind of sitting there like, how am I supposed to answer that question? Like, obviously, I want to get picked, but it's, it's out of my control at this point. And, uh, you know, but w- when that time comes that you, you hear your name, it's just, it's, you know, it's, it's truly a great moment, uh, a, a great great time, a great uh, opportunity to share with, you know, everybody that's put something into your career. And, you know, I tried to do a little thing for, you know, all my old coaches. And, So, 
it's it's definitely something that that I really enjoy and that I you know I don't take for granted and you know it's something that I hope to to continue doing for you know as long as I can uh, really before you know I got to move on and and start start life in the real world I guess you could call it. Yeah. So so after after your draft experience and you went back to the to the dub and then eventually you made your way up to. Uh, to Lethbridge, what what was that like as far as uh, the first time being traded and and, and finding a, a new set of surroundings up there? You know that was that was something that I I honestly to this day it was one of the hardest things I've ever done, and you know it, it worked out and uh, you know Lethbridge was it was a great situation and great group of guys and we you know we had a great team that year and. Um, unfortunately, we ended up losing the, to the Calgary Hitmen, which I believe I believe they ended up going. They went to the final for sure, maybe even the Memorial Cup that year. And you know, but going from you know Everett, where that had become home, uh, your billets become part of your family. Uh, you know, you 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 create these friendships and relationships with with <coughs> excuse me. Uh, <coughs> With people around the around the city, around the team, in the community, and you know, it's something that uh, I mean, it, it, it's definitely hard, and it's a learning experience. And you know, I ended up and I, I cried myself to sleep for a week, two weeks. Uh, you know, when it first happened, because you go from somewhere where you're so comfortable to something that's so different, and you know, uh, people you don't know. Um, you know, I went from Everett, which, you know, at the time they were putting a lot of money into the program, um, to, to Lethbridge where, you know, I just didn't know. And the facilities weren't brand new and, you know, people, but then again, you go from a U.S. market that loved hockey, uh, and was learning hockey to a market that knows hockey, loves hockey. And, you know, they know when you have a bad game. And, you know, I, there's been some games where in Everett where I was minus three and, you know, fans are coming up to you the next day and saying, wow, you had such a good game last night. And really they're only saying that because you won. <laughs> Whereas in Le- you, go to, you go to Lethbridge and you're minus three and you win the game and people are like, well, well, good win last night, but what were you doing kind of thing. And, you know, I, I was very fortunate. I got to live with the uh, at, with the Versteeg family there, and uh, you know that made it a lot easier being in a hockey family. And you know, somebody that really understood, and you know, they were they were such great people. They made it so much easier on me. And you know, it, uh, it's definitely an experience that uh, that hit hard and hit home. But uh, at the same time, you know, I think if you're able to to handle it and move forward, it, it only makes you stronger as a person and also as a, as a hockey player. As a, a side note, that playoff run that you guys went on when you were with Lethbridge, uh, mm-hmm. they've, only, they've only played five playoff games since, and that was just a couple months ago. Really? I had no idea about that. <laughs> that, was, that was the last time they made the playoffs when you were on that team. Wow. Yeah, until and we, and we and we let them down. That was the year too. We had a we had a really good team. <laughs> yeah, I had I was lucky enough to have Zach Boychuk on. Um, I think it was this season. We talked for a while. That was that was pretty fun. You know, Lucas Bisu ended up in Portland. Was on that team, right? Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, Lucas Bisu, Dwight King, uh, Mitch Versteeg was in there. We had a, we had a great great group of guys, and you know, I think. Richie Sutter was helping us out, so that was pretty cool, and yeah, it was it was a great experience. So after after Lethbridge, then uh, then you ended up in Spokane. That was an off season trade. Uh, yeah, kind of. Um, uh, so I had went to Lethbridge training camp, uh, and then I had to go. Obviously, I had to go to Chicago's training camp. Uh, which I ended up being one of the last ones cut that year. And um, I bought a vehicle while I was in Chicago, so I was driving home. And uh, there was a lot of turnover in Lethbridge that summer, too. That was the summer that uh, Rich Preston came in. So I got to know him a little bit before I left. And then when I was on the road on my way back, 
he actually called me and we talked for about 45 minutes about you know the team and I was actually in uh, I spent the night in Medicine Hat um, and then I was driving the rest of the way to make it back in time for practice and so I was you know I'm I'm sitting on the phone with him while I'm driving and on Bluetooth, of course, no, you know, hands-free, and, uh, <laughs> you know, yeah. we're, 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 we're sitting there chatting, and, uh, he, you know, he's telling me all about this, and then he goes, so, just so you know, we, you know, we, we made a trade, and I said, oh, right on, well, who do we trade away, and he goes, well, we, let, he goes, you know, we're going to focus on defense first, so we've traded for, for Mike Reddington, and, uh, Alex, I think it was Alex Terrio. Um, if I remember correctly, and I was like, oh, okay, so get, like you know, you're not getting at that time, you're not getting a Mike Reddington for free. And uh, so who'd we trade? And he goes, well, we we've, we've traded you to the Spokane Chiefs. And I was like, oh, so because like so because we had just sat on the phone for 30 minutes talking about you know the goals for the year with the team and you know what direction we were going in, and I was like, oh, so uh, you mind if I stop by the rink? <laughs> Uh, so I ended up stopping by the rink and saying goodbye, and then I just kind of kept my cross-country road trip on the go down to Everett, uh, or sorry, down to uh, down to Spokane. And um, so that's kind of that was kind of a weird one, but you know, at the same time, it, it, it was a bit easier being at the beginning of the year. You know, I, I hadn't settled in yet. You, you know, you're not. You know, you've been gone for the summer, so you've kind of distanced yourself, and then bang and you know I, I got down to Spokane and immediately you know I was, I was pretty nervous about that one I, I'm not gonna lie with you know being a rival of, of Everett and things and so I was a little nervous and you know as soon as I walked into the dressing room one of the guys that I went at it every night on the ice with Ryan Lutz uh, who actually ended up playing in uh, the University of Lethbridge is he walked over and you know kind of joked around gave me a hard time and then Mitch Wall and Jared Cowan and Jared Spurgeon and you know immediately it was just such a great fit. Um, I I missed because of I was because of the travel and coming back and when the trade happened I missed uh, the trip up to Prince George which you know it's not necessarily a bad thing to miss to miss that trip it's a long one but uh, so we we go out for the home opener and uh, I actually got booed when they when they announced me. I was, and, uh, I was going to ask you that. I, I had heard the same. <laughs> I heard the same thing. It, you know, pretty, you know, it's, it, it's funny, but that's how passionate and, you know, the, and, you know, the U.S. division teams are, you know, their fans are, every year they're getting more and more passionate and, you know, teams like Spokane that have been around for, you know, forever, it seems like, and, uh, you know, Tri-Cities and these teams, you know, they, they, they're very passionate about their team, and a lot of the fans were, were unsure about me coming in. And I think that first night I had, I, I want to say I had two goals in that game. And then after that, it was like, okay, he's, he's now on a bus, he's good. And I never got booed again at home. But yeah, first and only time that comes to mind that I got, uh, that I got booed at a, at a home game, though. Yeah, I don't, I don't think I've ever seen it. That's that's for sure. But well, you know, again, that's the, that that um, you know illustrates you know that kind of that kind of guy that hard nosed you know go in the corners you know drop the gloves if you have to kind of guy that you know you hate him when he's on the other team but you you know you sure don't mind having him you know in, in your colors. I mean, that's just kind of to me that's you know I, as a, as a Winterhawks fan, you know, I was I was pretty critical of you at a lot of times, you know, but. Uh, but you know you, you can look back on it and you can appreciate a guy for you know for for, for what he is and the, the value he brings to his hockey hockey club you know right and you know and I and I look back and you know or I, I guess I look now at my career and you know I I don't th- I think that's a good thing if if opposing fans don't like you you know is, is there anything wrong with that yeah. I mean sure okay yeah. there's there's situations if you're a dirty player or you know you you grab the smallest guy on the other team or, you know, something like that where, okay, that's not the right reasons to be, to be not liked or, or hated for. But, you know, if it's just for playing the game hard and, you know, doing your job and getting under the opponent's skin, then, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. And sure, you're going to ruffle some feathers and, 
you know, not everybody's going to like it. Not everybody's going to have good things to say about it. But, you know, at the same time, it's, hey, it's, it's kind of fun. It kind of adds a, another dynamic going on the road and, you know, getting to have a little fun with the uh, the road team fans. You know, well, again, as a, as a Winter Rocks fan that, you know, had my, uh, had my frustrations with, uh, the, with the way you played the game and, you know, when you when you traded to, to Lethbridge, I was like, oh, well, I guess so much for that, you know, and it's, you know, <laughs> and, you know, I remember, I remember the one time then, yeah, I believe you made one appearance, you know, and I was, I was real excited about that, you know, I got to, I got to heckle you and whatnot, and, and then, okay, well, so much for that, and then, boom, back in the division for a whole season again, and then, and then that that playoff series, and that was that was a big deal. That playoff series here in, in Portland, because that was the you know they they missed for three years. So right. our first yeah, that was uh, go ahead. That was a really big series. No, sorry, finish. You, you go ahead. Uh, I'm I mean, just it's, thinking back ahead. Well, the, the the thing with and 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 that you you mentioned some of the guys you had on that on that Chiefs team too. I mean, you know, good back end. You know, was 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 Reed in goal. For that series, it was Reed. Yeah, it was Reed. So you I mean you had some of the some of the 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 last you know uh, guys that were that won and subsequently broke the Memorial Cup. You know, and, oh, yeah. so, and so that people expected a lot out of that Chiefs team, and you know, I mean, it obviously went down to Game Seven overtime. But I mean, that was a pretty that was a pretty serious you know deal for for Winterhawks fans as far as I mean, just getting in the playoffs for one thing, and then. You know, I mean, that was a pretty good battle that they had with your Chiefs. Yeah, that was, you know, that was one of the, that was probably one of the best series, playoff series that I've had in my career. Uh, you know, as far as, you know, it was a close series, um, you know, and, it, and that was a, that was a hard nose, hard, hard series to play. And, you know, we kind of felt like whoever won that series had a chance to go all the way. Uh, and, you know, that's just, we were, we were two of the best teams all year and, we knew we were going to come head to head at some point, and uh, you know, a little earlier probably in in the playoffs than we would have wanted. But uh, you know, to go down to, to Game Seven and, and overtime, you know, it's it's a long series, it's a hard series, and that that's not a short trip between between Portland and Spokane either. So a lot of back and forth, a lot of wear and tear, and you know, I, I'll, I'll never forget. It. I was on the ice for uh, I was on the ice for the for the OT OT goal against and. You know, I just kind of collapsed because, you know, it's just, for us, it was so disappointing. And you're looking down at, at the other end of the ice and in the corner, and they're celebrating and jumping up and down. And, you know, there's a good chance that, at the time, there was a good chance that that was the last junior game I was going to play, last WHL game I was going to play. And it turned out to be. And, you know, it's uh, it's kind of hard to, in that moment to put it all in perspective. You know, your, your four-year, five-year you know, I look at the twenties on the team, and it's it, it's hard, and it's uh, it's something that a lot of people experience. And you know, only one team—well, not including the teams that make the, don't make the playoffs—but only one team ends the season with a win. And you know, anytime it doesn't end with a win, it's obviously very disappointing. And uh, you know, but that's something that I look back on, and you know, that's one of my greatest memories is playing in Spokane, playing in that series. It was individually, I had, I had a great series and, you know, Mitch Wall and I talk about it today, you know, that was the best years of stat wise. That was our, at the best of our junior careers. And, you know, unfortunately, uh, it also, it also ended our junior careers. Well, yeah, you put up 50 goals that year, 52. Yeah. I, I, I think I had 52, and I, thought, I think I was a goal a game in the playoffs, or against Portland as well. I think I had seven, seven and seven. Yeah, yeah, actually, yeah, and, you did. And including you were, what I, I'm not 100% sure on this, but I, I think I had the go-ahead goal in either the second or third period, and then they ended up tying it up, and the next one won it, I believe. But I'm not 100% sure on that. Yeah, and you were you were hurt going in that series, right? Yeah, I was having having a couple of different issues, but you know, with the long season and you know the grind of the playoffs, it, you know you kind of battle through. And you know, I was banged up; my knee was a bit banged up. I had hyperextended it and had a had a bit of a wonky shoulder as well. And, you know, but at that time, I mean, you just kind of go out there, and once you get out there, it's you know, it's kind of in the, 
it's in the back of your head, but you just kind of forget about it, and hopefully you don't have to deal with it and, until the season's over. Well, that's a you know brings me to a you know a, a, something that happened in game one of that series that just burning my head. If I remember right, I think I asked Mike Boyle about it when when I had him on this year, and you know I knew that you were on one leg. And mm-hmm. Lucas Pisa had a broken finger in his hand. And you guys mm-hmm. came together at the end of the first period. I think it was the end of the first period. And mm-hmm. you were pushing and shoving. And I'm like, well, the one guy is on one leg, and the other guy's got a broken hand. Like, nothing's going to come of this. And you guys <laughs> went at it. Dropped yeah, the gloves and had a tilt. I was like, that's, that's what's on the line here. You know, that's... Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, all, 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 once you get in the playoff, all bets are off. And, you know, that one, I kind of look back at that one. It's kind of funny, too, because when when we were in Lethbridge together, we were we hung out all the time. Uh, we went for dinners and everything else and, you know, a couple beers here and there. And, uh, you know, it's crazy then that the next year we're on the opposite sides. And, you know, that just goes to show that it, it doesn't matter if your best friend's on the other team. It, you know, when, when the puck drops and until that final whistle, whether it's 60 minutes or 80 minutes or whatever it turns out to be, uh, you know, it's kind of, you got to put all that on hold and put that on the side. And, you know, it's, it's funny to look back and think, well, because, I mean, playoffs in general, you don't see many fights. And then here's here's the two of us going at it. And, you know, fortunately for, for me, I guess it was a, it was a good trade-off or a, an equal trade-off at least. And, uh you know, something that, like you said, with the injuries and stuff, it's it, it it's a crazy game, and uh, you know, it's, it's too bad it's it's gotten to the point where it is where they're trying to you know take fighting out and stuff. But not that I disagree with it, uh, but you know, I also think that there's a time and a place, and you know, that the players have to somewhat police themselves at the same time. But you know, obviously, safety comes first, and you know, you don't want to see careers ending you know like my brothers do to do the concussion yeah i think no that's i think i'm in agreement with you on all fronts that you know i think yeah you'd have to have something to police the game but at the same time it's you know we've been you know that summer that we lost you know a couple guys all the you know bugard and and uh propert and and uh belak all in the same summer it's like that really kind of shakes things up a little bit you know does it ever and you know you look at what those guys did for the game and in that era and you know those guys were beloved like they were loved by their fans and you know a lot of times those guys were were the fan favorites and uh you know i look back at the whl a lot of the times the fighters were the favorites and you know it's hard to take it out of the game but you know when when you start seeing things like that and see how much you know concussions and you know, a concussion can happen anywhere at any time. You can get in a car accident, you can get hit, you can get in a fight, you can, you know, there's a million different things that can cause a concussion, but, you know, if there's something that's that easily changeable or that easy to fix, then, you know, I think it's definitely got to be looked at because, you know, we can't can't afford to be losing guys and, you know, guys that were meant a lot to the game and a lot to the sport and, you know, fortunately... uh, or unfortunately, uh, you know, the circumstances took them from us way too soon. But, you know, at the same time, uh, I think it opened a lot of eyes to, to what exactly is going on in the game and and outside of the game. And, you know, I think they're taking the appropriate steps to change that and make sure it doesn't continue to happen. So you've taken you – de- you demonstrate a lot of a lot of pride in the f- fact that you played in the, in the WHL, and, and, and rightfully so. And that kind of brings me to, uh, you know, there was there was a time, I believe it was in uh, Blackhawks training camp, and, and, you know, a lot of times in those situations, the WHL guys kind of stick together and the OHL guys, and you kind of have a rivalry and a back and forth, and, and, and you really laid it on the table as far as uh, telling the OHL guys uh, where that, that, that the dub is the, the best league, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's saying, I think there's always going to be that, you get a group of guys, you know, whether it's two, three, you know, whatever, one, uh, you take a guy from every league and, you know, you, you you can kind of stoke a fire and get, you know, get debating, you know, to, to what league's better. And, 
you know, I think there's there's a lot of that, and you know, even to this day, it still comes up. You know, and when the Memorial Cup rolls around with with current teammates, former t- teammates, you know, it comes up, and uh, you know, it's just it, that's one of those things that you know, it, it's not a choice. You don't have a choice what league you're going to play in, uh, but at the same time, you know, you you got to stick up for your league, and you know, I I I love my days in the WHL. There, I've so many good friends that I still I'm still in contact with today, and uh, you know it's it's something that I that I am very passionate about, and you know I, I'm very passionate too about about wanting to give back, and you know I've been trying to do some stuff with Everett, but even you look at Everett the Everett Silvertips, and you know they Mitch Love and Brennan Thani are now assistant coaches who played for Kevin Constantine in in his first stint in Everett, and. You know, I think that's that's so great how, you know, guys are able to give back and, you know, stay involved and, and help. And, you know, it's something that uh, that I am very passionate about. And, you know, it's just if I played in the OHL, I'd probably be just as passionate about the OHL. If I played in the Q, I'd probably be the same, just as passionate about that. But, you know, I played in the WHL, and so that's, you know, kind of that dub life mentality. Yeah, and, and that makes sense. But you, you, you know where I was trying to bait you on that, right? hundred <laughs> percent. You're not going to take it? Uh, I can take it. I'm assuming you're talking with, about Alou, Akeem Alou. The, the food fight, right? Yeah, yeah, with Akeem Alou. Yeah, uh, I, I didn't know the other yeah. participants. Yeah. Yeah, so it, it was with Akeem Alou, uh, who obviously played in the OHL. Um, and, he, you know, he's a spark plug as well. And, you know, it's funny because a, a lot of people think that today, to this day, that we can't stand each other, that we hate each other. Uh, and you know what? We're, we're actually pretty good buddies. Obviously, we played in Rockford a bit, uh, which is where the food fight incident happened uh, when we were both called up from, from juniors and uh, both ended up getting, getting sent home for it. And, you know, we, you know there's, there's, no, there's no need, especially at this point, uh, you know, to point fingers. We're, we're both to blame. And, you know, I think we both learned from it and both grew up uh, a, a lot from it. And, you know, I think uh, that was one of those things that. You know, there's there's a lot of things you look back at in your career and you go, okay, well, you know, that's a turning point, or you know, could have could have torn you apart, could have ended there, and uh, you know, we're so. But the story you're talking about, we were we were sitting around having lunch. Uh, I think it was yeah, it was just lunch one day at uh, at a Mongolian Grill, going back and forth, and then you know, a little na- napkin got thrown, and then a little baby corn got thrown, and then. Uh, I got a full plate of uh, chicken teriyaki uh, covering me head from head to toe. So, you know, and, it, and then it, it escalated a little bit. And obviously, you know, when something like that happens with two passionate guys, and you know, I think uh, I think it's you know, obviously, it's very disappointing that it happened. And you know, you look back and, and wish that it didn't happen. But you know, when it does happen, what can you really do other than you know accept the consequences? Uh, apologize, learn from it, and, and make sure it doesn't happen again. And uh, you know, fortunately, we were, we were both young kids, and you know, kids will be kids. And uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where we've been we've been able to move forward. And and uh, you know, obviously, we both had pretty pretty good careers. And uh, unfortunately, he's had had some injuries lately, and he's been rehabbing. But I know he's he's hoping to come back. And you know, it's one of those things where uh, a lot of people think that. You know, we can't stand each other and we hate each other and this and that. And, you know, it's actually it's funny to, to talk about and to kind of put out there that, you know, we still talk uh, from time to time and we're still in contact after something like that happened. Well, there's only so many chances in life to get into an honest-to-God food fight. You know, and, I, and you, yeah. you, I mean, you gotta, you got to love it. And, you know, I mean, obviously oh, it, was, it, it was probably a little painful at the time, but, you know, the... It, and the guy that you get in a food fight with, how are you not going to be close with them afterwards? You know what I mean? It only, it only makes sense. There, there can't be that many people out there that have had an honest food fight in the middle of a restaurant. <laughs> it's great. It's great. I mean, but, you know, that, you know, and it, you know we, we look at it and we laugh about it. We joke about it, too, now. And, you know, at the end of the day, we, we both know that we're, we're both very passionate. We both, uh, you know, have had or been known to have short fuses within our careers and uh you know i think that day we kind of we, we explored those boundaries and you know now it's yeah i mean what what can you do now here we are 
fall, what it would be seven, eight years later. So, you know, what can you really do other than laugh about it? Yeah. Well, and there's a lot of athletes that are guilty of a lot worse infractions than, uh, than a plate of teriyaki. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was it was pretty innocent, and you know, oh, I mean, now looking back, you know, it's pretty innocent. Obviously, uh, when you're representing an organization, and you, you can't be doing that, and you know, we we got a we got a good spanking and, and learned our lessons from it. And you you know, obviously, uh, a second food fight hasn't been in the news, so we learned our lesson. Who were <laughs> some of the guys in the in the dub that? Uh, that you really went at it with the most? Some of the guys you just really didn't like playing against or really didn't like them personally or some... some uh, you, get, you, got, you got a short list? Yeah, you know, you know there's, there's always guys on every team. I mean, uh, obviously, uh, the younger Bougard there when he was in, uh, in Tri-Cities was never fun to play against. Uh, and, and grabbed me one time, and that was one of the scariest moments of, of my junior career. Um, you know, I, 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 I like to run my mouth a little bit when I play. I don't know if, I don't know if you knew that, but so a lot of the times you, you, you got to end up doing things that you don't exactly want. And, you know, I fought Milan Lucic when I was 15. Uh, I ended up fighting Bougard. Uh, that, um, sorry, not Zach Cassian. Matt Cassian, uh, who was in Camus, was a heavy he grabbed me a couple times, and you know those are those are those are scary moments. But at the same time, you know if, you, if you're going to play the way the style of game that I play, you're going to have to deal with that stuff. And you know, one guy that uh, immediately comes to mind that I battled with night in and night out was Senna Akalasi, and uh, who's with the Seattle Thunderbirds. And you know, we it, it's funny because a couple of our friends, Zach Daly and, and Shane Harper, are. They're, he's really good friends with them, and I played with them in Everett, and you know I'm really, really good friends with them today. And so we ended up actually meeting each other and getting to know each other and saying hi after games and stuff. But once we got on the ice, all that went out the window. I think he's probably the guy. I, I would have to think he's the guy that I fought the most in the WHL, like multiple fights. Hmm. Um, it it kind of seemed like almost every if we didn't fight, it was kind of weird and. You know, it wasn't that it wasn't that we hated each other per se because we actually got to know each other and met each other. But you know, he's a competitor. I'm a competitor, and you know, when you get when you get guys on opposite teams, uh, you know that that like to stir the pot. Uh, you're you're oftentimes going to get fireworks. Yeah, and, and it's so it's, it's, it's interesting you say about Akalatsi because you know I really liked the way he played, but I don't I don't know if he. F- Really, ever fought anybody in Portland? So it doesn't. If it did, it doesn't come to mind. And maybe he just had it out for you. Yeah, you know, he uh, he, he was one of those guys. He's, he's a tough kid, and uh, you know, obviously, he went on to, to play pro hockey. I think I'm pretty sure he's still playing. The last time I saw him was in, in Worcester, so I'm not sure. But you know, he uh, he's one of those guys that he was he was always willing to go, and he was always willing to stick up for teammates, and I was willing to do the same. It just kind of. You know, it's kind of funny. Like I look at, I look at teams, and there's some teams that I never fought against. And when I was in the WHL, you know, I was averaging 10, 15, 10 to fifteen fights a year. And uh, so you end up fighting. And when you're playing teams six, seven, eight times a year, you know, eventually, uh, <laughs> I guess uh, tempers are gonna gonna flare and and things. And but you know, he's the thing about Akalas is, you know, he's he's a very honest player and. He plays the game hard. He doesn't play the game dirty. Uh, he, he plays the game the right way. And you know, he was uh, he was a great competitor and a great player. And you know, it's uh, it's something that you know, our for whatever reason, our styles are going in the corner, going to the front of the net, and you know, cross check here and a cross check there, and eventually it ends up being more. Yeah. And for some reason, it comes to mind that that last year you were in Spokane. It sure seemed like like Brad Ross and Mitch Wall fought every time out. Yeah, and you know that's another—that's a perfect example of you know two guys. But how often did Mitch Wall fight? I bet I wouldn't be—I wouldn't think he has more than five fights in the WHL. And again, like Mitch Wall is a, a, a very close friend of mine, and uh, to this day we we talk all the time, Snapchat probably every other day. And you know it's, it's funny that you know Ross is—you uh, know—I'd I'd say Ross played very similar to me and. You know, he wasn't afraid to go to the dirty areas. He wasn't afraid to stir the pot. And for whatever reason, those two clashed every single time. 
and it never. I think there was a couple suspensions both ways, maybe a couple spears or something, in, in that season as well. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Wouldn't surprise me. I think I, one one that really comes to mind. There was a, a game where, um, I don't know if you remember this, where the uh, we had snow, which doesn't happen here, and the uh, linesman couldn't get to the game, and it, I think puck drop was like at nine or nine thirty or something. Yeah. You remember that one? I do. I do. That was uh, <laughs> those games. You know, I think everybody by the time the puck finally drops, everybody's just so annoyed that you've had to wait two hours, <laughs> three hours. You know, you get to the rink at five o'clock, and you know you you go to start getting dressed, and they tell you to get undressed, and then you start getting dressed, and then no, still not, and then you know by that point you just say, just get me out of here, get me out there, or get me out of here, one or the other. Yeah, I think that. You know, and we weren't getting good crowds then anyway, and then certainly not that night. There's probably like 50 people there, and, and then uh, yeah, that was. I think that's why it's so memorable. It was so quiet for both teams. You know, not you know a big hit to place a you know crowd. Even Portland, you know, like that year they were going back and forth between the two rinks, and you know they were probably only averaging a couple thousand a night or, or whatever, and you know, but when something happened, they were still loud, and that's something you know with. With the American teams, when something happens, it doesn't matter if there's, you know, sold out sold out crowd or, you know, or half empty or, or empty. You know, it was always loud, and that game was not loud at all. And you look around, like you score a goal and you go to celebrate or you know jump into the glass or whatever you do, and you're jumping into empty seats. Yeah, yeah, I remember. Then the, yeah, they got it got rough at the end of that too, and it was just like, man, I'm just trying to get out of here. <laughs> I just want to go home for the night. Game games ending at midnight. Yeah, well, that's probably uh, then you got five hour ride home. Assuming you guys went home. Yeah, always. Yeah, we never never stayed after. So every every once in a while, we'd come the the night before, uh, depending on who you were playing and how big the game was and what it meant. But we were always straight home after the game, and pretty sure that night, I think, I want to say it took like seven hours. I don't right. think we got home till the next morning. But the school kids were excited because they got to, to miss a day, another day of school. <laughs> so you guys probably won. It seems like I know in the at least in the playoff series that was that was historic because it's the only time the road teams won all seven games. Yeah, and that was you know, and that, I think that just goes to show how how, how close the two teams really were. And you know, the the Portland Winterhawks that year were obviously stacked. They they moved a lot of guys onto the NHL and. You know, we we had a pretty good, pretty good squad ourselves, and have, have moved our, our share from Spokane onto the NHL as well. And, and when you get two two great teams like that, you just you really you never know, and you never know what's going to happen. And that was just kind of one of those weird ones where every time we went on on the road, and it was just you know nobody could win at home. And unfortunately for us, that it was a disadvantage to have home advantage. Yeah, well, that series is weird too. It was like a two-three. It was like it was like it, I can't remember how it went, but it was like, yeah, you know, I want to say the circus was in town or something, and uh, and Chiefs couldn't get the arena, and so the the schedule was all screwed around too. Yeah, it was like, but I don't even I don't even think it was a two three two. No, no, it was like something I don't remember what it was. But it was something weird or not. Yeah, it it was wonky though. Oh yeah, yeah, because because the Chiefs had home ice and game one was in Portland, so whatever you know, however that worked out. Yeah, so I, I, I want to say it went like two, three, one, one, maybe something like that. Something like but, that. Yeah, yeah that weird. that game seven. That was like I said. That was that was a, a, a huge turning point for the Winterhawks franchise, and you know, up right up until this last year when they fell on their face. I mean, they were kind of still on that run. Yeah, and, and you know, and that's part of the league too. Like, and that, you know, that's. The fun part about the WHL is, you know, anybody can win, and obviously teams are going to go through rebuilding phases and, and stuff like that. But uh, you know, at the same time, uh, it, it's good for the league to have a team. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to talk about this now, obviously. But you know, for a team like Portland, you know, that you know they were you know struggling on fans and stuff a little bit, and you know, it's amazing what what a good playoff run can do, and you know, that kind of turned things around for them. Yeah, yeah, it really kind of solidified them as a. I mean, you know, we almost lost it. We almost lost the team altogether. You know, during your right. your your time in Everett, and then uh, and now they come back and been pretty strong, which is 
which is pretty nice. We oh, they got to start the whole process over again now, but you know, <laughs> well, it's, you know, it's it's good for the league, and, and at the, you know, at the end of the day, it's good for hockey because you start losing teams out of the out of the U.S. division, and pretty soon you don't have a U.S. division. Yeah, exactly. Well, you got any other memories you want to share, or anything, anything you want to touch on, any stories you want to tell? Um. Oh man, I don't know. I think we covered most of it. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to think, but it's, I was actually I was just down in uh, I was just down in Everett over the weekend visiting with my billets, and you know we were we were talking about all that all this stuff as well, and it's. It's funny to see, you know, the memories I have, the memories they have, and, you know, how they differ, and, you know, they've been billed. I think they've had over 30, they've billed over 30 players now. And, you know, the memories and the relationships that they've made, and, you know, I, I guess the only thing I would say is, you know, to, to, to current players is, you know, just don't take, don't take juniors for granted, because, you know, if you're a 16, 17, 18, 19 year old, well, there's three 20 year olds on the team that are, that are done next year, and, you know, they they might never play hockey again. You know, they might get you know get the opportunity to go somewhere, and you know, eventually you're going to be that 19 or 20 year old coming coming to the end of your junior career, and you know, it, it goes by quick. And you know, to this to this day, those are those are some of the best memories that I've had. And you know, I've met people that that I'll have friendships with forever, and you know, billets that I've had that are that are going to be family forever, and. You know, it goes by quick, and when it's over, it's 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 really over. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could every shift could be your last. You could get taken to the boards, funny, or you know, or whatever too. So it's yeah, you got to appreciate yeah, exactly. it while it's there. But and, and, and exactly. You, and you mentioned going back to Everett reminded me of a point I was going to bring up that you know, I mean, you know, I go up there for games every once in a while. It's nice rank, you know, and and. Uh, uh, Portland played them in the uh, 2013 season, the year that Portland won the championship, and they played ever in the first round. And I just remember specifically noticing, you know, walking around the concourse, and, you know, that's one thing about the Silvertips fans, everybody has a jersey, you know. I mean, yeah. a good portion of them anyway. And I, I did you, notice... You, used to be a, used to be a jersey and a cowbell. Yeah, well, I think that's, I think that's still pretty common. I think that's still pretty yeah. common. And... Uh, that was this was the year they were booing uh, Seth Jones when he didn't when he didn't uh, sign with the Silver Tips and traded him here. But anyway, point of story was I was looking at a lot of jerseys and there was a lot of a lot of Beach number twelves still floating around even in even in twenty thirteen. That was still a pretty popular jersey on that concourse. Yeah, yeah I mean, that, you know, and that's part of it. You know, you make those you know lasting impressions and you know those people. You know the the, the fans, the fans, and you know the organizations, and you know while I was down there, I stopped in to see our, our old trainer Bob Hammer, who's who's opened up a, a gym in Everett now, a, a great setup and things, and there was actually uh, one of the a kid that we went to high school with, and he introduced me, or the trainer introduced me, and uh, as Kyle, and he goes, and right away he went beach, and you know it's just funny that you know a kid from high school that maybe went to one or two games and you know you know like it's one of those friendships and memories and you know he was a he was a football player and a track star and you know it's one of those things where you know those are those are friendships and memories that that you make that are that are going to last forever and you know it, it just it's hard it's hard at the time to to realize that and to not you know take them for granted but you know looking back you know it's something that you know I treasure and I was fortunate enough to go to get back to games uh, one and two in the playoffs this year of Everett, uh, and you know right away it was you know fans were saying hi, how are you, what are you doing, uh, and I was fortunate enough to get invited into the dressing room as well and and see the guys and meet the guys and you know it's funny how everything changes but at the same time nothing changes and you know that's that's one of the pretty pretty cool aspects about about junior hockey. In the in the first round you did this year. Yeah, the first round series games one and two. Yeah, I imagine you had more fun than but, I did. Oh, uh, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> I was on I was on crutches, but other than that, it was a lot of fun. Mm. It's not so fun trying to get through all the people and up and down the stairs on crutches, but so did, it, uh, did you come back from Europe hurt then? No, no, I came back. I was healthy, and uh, I just ended up rolling my ankle. 
know, messing around and, and being a kid and having some, some fun at the beginning of summer before before the off-season serious training kicks in. And, you know, and fortunately, uh, actually, I, I didn't even really know what was going on. And uh, the team doctor from, from when I played was still there and, and took a look at it and got me all sorted out and, and into the office the next day to, to get things sorted out and figured out and taken care of. That's funny. What 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 what's it like playing in Europe? I mean, is, you've been over there a couple of years now. This will be uh, this will be my going on to my third. So I've been over there for two. Um, you know, it's it's a different game. It's it's the big ice. It's the Olympic ice, and so there's a lot more skating and uh, not as much fighting. In our league, you are allowed one fight. You get kicked out for a second fight. Uh, I know, like some leagues in Europe are are no fighting. You're you're you get tossed for the first one, but. Um, you know, it, it's a lot of fun, and it's it's pretty cool to to get to see the world and experience these things. And the year that I spent in Salzburg, uh, I, I was fortunate enough to win the to win the championship. We went twelve and one in the playoffs, and you know, I, I got you get to meet so many new people that you know you wouldn't have met otherwise. And you know, I played with Brett Sterling and uh, Ryan Duncan and Brian Fahey, and you know, a bunch of uh, Ben Walter bunch of guys that I played against and played with a couple uh, <clears throat> but you know Sterling and I Sterling I would compare him to Brad Ross he plays the exact same way so obviously when when I was in Rockford and he was with the uh, Chicago Wolves we didn't get a, get along very well uh, and then we're on the same team and you know good buddies now as well so it's, it's different but it, it's a great opportunity and it, it's a great experience that you know if you had the opportunity if you know, I said the opportunity to do. I would say absolutely take it because, you know, you, you get to, to travel the world, see the world, experience, uh, you know, a different culture. And you know, for us who, for you know, we're fortunate enough to grow up playing in the WHL. You know, you get you get two imports, and you know, you kind of get to see the other side of it, and you know how how they felt coming in, no, not knowing the language, oftentimes not knowing the language, and and trying to find your way and and make things work and. Uh, you know, it's, it's kind of cool to see the other side of that. And then at the same time, uh, you know, I get to play against uh, a couple guys like Andre Fiala, who I played with in Everett, uh, who now I play against. And, you know, it's, it's kind of funny how he was an import back when I played with him, and now I'm an import. And, you know, so it's, it's a pretty cool experience for sure. Yeah, sounds like, you know, like we, you know, we talked about some of the, the disappointments of not making the the show, but... You know, it seems like uh, there it could be a lot worse. Like we, you know, like we talked about. For sure, for sure. You know, it would have been nice to do like an Austin Matthews and do it either before or you know, <laughs> like maybe like a Versteeg or a Clint Cameron now that are doing it after. But uh, you know, everybody's got different routes, and you know, I'm, I'm experiencing mine now. And you know, it's, a lot of people don't know, but hockey is 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 huge over there, and. They got a couple of great things going on too. With uh, they have a Champions Hockey League, which so the top two, three, four teams from every league come together and they play a tournament throughout uh, like the first half of the season. It actually starts before our regular season, and you play a home and home against every team, and it's aggregate scoring like soccer, where it's combined score of the two games, and you know, so it's kind of cool that you can how you can compare yourself against the the different leagues, and you know for. For teams in the Austrian league, uh, you know, nobody really respects the Austrian league. And, you know, we go in and we, we beat teams from Sweden and we beat teams from Switzerland. And, you know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, maybe this league isn't isn't such a joke. And, you know, so it's, it's pretty cool to, to do that and be able to compare yourself. And, you know, you get to play against teams from every league except for North America and, and the KHL. So it's, it's pretty cool to, to get the opportunity to do that and, uh you know, you get to travel to some pretty cool places. Like I said, we went to uh, we went to Finland, Switzerland, um, Sweden, and um, oh, there was Norway. So you know, you get to do a little more traveling for hockey, and you know, see different leagues and different cultures. And you know, the, the Finnish league adds a whole other dynamic where half the half the rinks are Olympic size and half the rinks are NHL size. So. You know, it's kind of it's different and and kind of cool to see at the same time. And that sounds like sounds like a lot of fun as a hockey player. And and the fans are they're they're crazy. They 
they chant and cheer and play. It's like watching a soccer game on TV, but put it in a hockey rink where instead of being outside, it just echoes in the rink and they're playing the drums the whole game. And you know, it's 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 a it's, some some nights you get a pretty pretty crazy atmosphere depending on on which team's in town. Hmm. Interesting. So, you, you know, yeah. you 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 bring up Austin Matthews and 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 playing in the Swiss League, and you know, you're a you're a Constantine guy, and, and it seems like you're either you're either love him or hate him with uh, with that coach. You know, if you were if you were Austin Matthews' ad- advisor, you know, before you know when as far as what he was deciding what to do as far as playing for the for the Silver Tips or playing for uh, you know going overseas like he did. I mean, what what would you have told him? Well, you know, it, it's tough. I mean, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and obviously it worked out great. Um, obviously, being the, being the first one to do it is, uh, you know, I, I'm interested to see, interested to see now if it's kind of a, a trend setting thing or, you know, if it's kind of a one and done. But, you know, for him, it was a, it was a chance to make money. It was a chance to play against against men and, uh, you know, play against guys that have been in the NHL, play for a, an unbelievable coach and Mark Crawford, um, who I know a little bit from from back in the day and played uh, played for him a little bit. And, uh, you know, I, I think the situation there, you know, playing in Bern, playing for Mark Crawford, uh, you know, I think that was a no-brainer. He, got, he made some money and got to play under a great coach that knows what it takes to get to the NHL. And obviously he's back in the NHL now as well. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's hard to argue with. Uh, but at the same time, is that the right path for every kid? Absolutely not. Uh, but, you know, for, for a guy in his situation and, and his with his ability and his stature, it uh, you know it seems to have been a, a, a great a great move for him. And you know, I guess we'll we'll see how it translates. Uh, you know, compared to other rookies, uh, you know, high draft picks going into their first year in the NHL as a as an eighteen nineteen year old, and you know, but now instead of playing against boys last year, he was he was playing against men. So you know, I think that can only help him. Uh, and obviously, uh, it didn't hold him back at all because he was still playing. <laughs> he was still playing 20 minutes a night and power play and everything else. So, you know, I think uh, for him it was a, obviously a great decision, and we'll see how it uh, helps his game translate to the NHL this year. Cool. Well, with that, I suppose. I mean, I've taken plenty of your time, and I'm appreciative for it. And and uh, oh, no, no worries. Wish the, the the best of luck to you in uh, in the Austria League this year. Thank you very much. And um, thank you very much. Thanks for thanks for having me on. Sorry it took so long to make it happen. No, no, it's uh, it's 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 great. It's you know it, it was. Uh, I'm just glad I'm just glad it worked out. Absolutely. Thank you. And maybe we can do it again sometime. Skiza trying to get Beach's lid off. Does. Looking to get some shots away. Beach tying him up. Skiza gets one shot over top. Two shots. Beach gets one in. Another one over the top. Spiza one over the top. Another one over the top. Spiza and Beach still tying it up. Spiza's helmet's still on. Great right hand by Spiza. Caught Beach flush. As Beach was going for the helmet off, Beach gets one in on Spiza. Spiza trying to get loose. An uppercut by Spiza connects. And they're going to be separated. They're going to tap each other on the...